Hello and welcome to the Shibari Study Podcast. I'm your host, Wicked Ren, and today we have The Silence. You'll know The Silence from his amazing photographs. They combine rope bondage and high fashion. So welcome. How are you? Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Like I said, you're a photographer that incorporates elements of traditional modeling, rope bondage, high fashion into your work. Where does that come from? Uh, let's see. Well, this is actually my first ever interview about actually this. You just a job interview. Uh, let's see. When I got started about 10 years ago, I'm coming up on my 10-year anniversary, I wanted to do like, you know, rope photography because the photos I was doing was from my flip phone at the time. And, you know, flip phones aren't the best and, you know, they're kind of, there was like a big tarp on the ground. It was very messy and ugly. So I wanted to, uh, be different from everybody. So I just like started looking at like what people were actually photographing in their rope. And it was like usually copying like the um, Japanese rope bondage photos yeah. poorly with their kimonos from, you know, off Amazon. And I was like, how can I be different? So I started looking at like fine art fashion, uh, regular fashion, surrealist art, any kind of portraiture with like really good lighting is different. And I decided, oh, I want to do that and just add rope into it and I could have a different, distinct style. Plus, it, I want it to look like I'm putting in a lot of work when I'm not, you know, even though sometimes I am putting in a lot of work. Absolutely. Yeah, you want to look effortless. Yeah, sometimes uh, if it looks like you put in like a lot of hours and stuff, it people think it's like way more than it is. Audience manipulation, pretty much. Exactly. <laughs> but that's what art is. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I figured out. From musicianship and paintings, and it's like it's all about manipulating the viewer to get them to think a certain way or do a certain thing, you know? What have you learned about people's preconceived notions about art? Well, a lot of people believe they can do it, and it's like some, some I wouldn't say art, but it's like some kind of like magic. Yeah. When really, like, especially when it's like I have no ideas, I'll just run the numbers or just do like uh, the basic run-of-the-mill thing, like, oh, you know, rule of thirds, okay, I'll do that, that, because I have no ideas, and, like, it'll turn out well. People are like, oh, my God, that's awesome. Like, I just copied, like, you know, a couple of rule books here and there. Yeah. For the you did. But when you play the classics, it always works. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> it depends. How, how long did it take you to find that? Because there's a lot of humility in that statement, where you're just kind of doing the quote-unquote rule books. Have you always been like that? Yes, because I couldn't afford lessons 10 years ago. So I just looked on YouTube and like tried to copy what I saw. Like I would, like as a musician, most musicians never really start out playing their own things. They're like, they're playing somebody else's stuff, whether it's Beethoven or Jimi Hendrix or, you know, Beyonce. You, you, you know, you usually start off singing what other people have sung before. And as you get comfortable with it, you start doing your own thing. And that's what I started doing with my photography. Like, I would see this like amazing photographer like Jake Hicks used gels. And I'm like, huh, what if I did that with, you know, doing my rope shoots? And hey, we got something new and different, you know, and interesting, you know. Are you a musician? Yeah. What do you play? Guitar. That's amazing. What style of guitar do you play? I suck at it. I have been playing for like, <laughs> since I saw like James Hetfield on a 1992. Wow, 30 years. Jesus, I'm old. Uh, <laughs> I've been pl uh, playing since then, so I have, like, a hobby of, like, just mixing and making my own music. It's usually for, it's, like, for myself. And I usually keep it to myself because I know people, like, 
oh, you do something? Let me see. I'm like, no, this, I'm like the little guy. I'm like the guy with the, you know, the toy set in the basement who like spends hours and hours making his toy set, like with no intention of like ever having anybody like look at it, you know? Yeah. Well, you're a very secretive person. Yeah. It's I'm, sh- I'm shy. I'm not an exhibitionist. Okay. Like, even though it's like I'm not in a lot of my photos, so rarely I am, you know? You know? I think you're in none of your photos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have you always been like that? Has it been that you want to show the model more and the rope more? Or? I think it was more about, because I had Legos as a kid. So I was like, oh, I could try something new in this art form and try and do this. And oh, wow. Oh, people like it. I remember my first shoots, like four, three or four shoots, I got really lucky and had really hot friends who were like, willing to give me a chance and let me, you know, photograph their bodies. And they were, um, people were like, oh, these are good. Really? Oh, let me keep trying this, you know? Yeah. Still at the point where I don't really care what people think anymore, especially as, you know, the internet is getting worse and worse for artists and especially anything that shows, you know, anything above basic, fully clothed, you know, vanilla stuff. Yeah. So I'm like more and more like, I'm just going to start doing more than what I find versus what will work on Instagram, you know? What are you working on right now as your growth as a photographer and an artist? Well, right now, it's been a tough year. Uh, let's see. My father died earlier this year. And I'm in between the careers, especially after um, COVID. And because my job before, my vanilla job before was like basically depending on like lots of people getting together in large groups. So when COVID happened, that pretty much died. And I've just been trying to be a full-time photographer, and I'm still navigating that, which is, like, really difficult. How do you find being a full-time photographer is different than making rope bondage photos? Well, people will pay you for photos they want versus art that you as artists want. I understand now why Leonardo da Vinci had a patron versus, you know, uh, a gallery. You know, he had... There's not a lot of people who can who want to have like especially my kind of art on their walls because it's usually incorporate nudity. Definitely. And I I imagine there's not a lot of people who have that up in their house, you know. So if a lot of your art incorporates nudity, how do you see censorship in Instagram and things like that? I was always shocked that people went to Instagram before, you know, because I'm like, why are all these rope people going to Instagram? You know, it's like there's no way they're going to allow, like, you know, people tied up and mock kidnapping and, you know, torture porn type of stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, Instagram is totally okay with that. Just don't show any, like, female presenting nipples or, you know, genitalia, but you can pretty much do everything else. I'm like, what? Really? And yeah. then, you know, Fossa Sesta came along and all of a sudden all the companies were, like, prudish now to where... You even mention, you know, a porn star's name as a credit and, you know, you're accused of sexual solicitation, which happened to me a couple of times. So I just like, oh, well, fuck Instagram. <laughs> Has censorship changed your art at all? It did a little bit. Like I may do one shot here and there that, you know, is vanilla enough for Instagram or even framed in a way that Instagram likes, you know, which is the vertical thing at a certain eight by ten. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I'm like, oh, I'll do one shot like that. But then, you know, the rest of the shots I'll do for myself. And the shots that you do for yourself, where are you showing those? 
is that online or is that mainly just saying online? I probably primarily post on um pet life like five days a week wow. instagram five days a week i have two accounts one's more like my just private stuff that's just me doing weird things the other one's like more formal than uh, i used to do it on twitter but twitter is kind of like eh, i don't feel like investing in twitter anymore yeah. even though i love it that they you know you could get to a big audience and still not have to censor uh let's see i'm not on facebook so it's ma- mainly instagram and uh, fat life right now. Yeah, Facebook doesn't but seem I, like the place for it. Yeah, no. And I'm also on uh, OnlyFans a little bit and Patreon. Amazing. I am always blown away by people that can consistently post. I mean, you're saying you post five times a week on the apps. How do you well, find ten times a week? <laughs> how do you find that consistency? Um, I do it in the morning. I, when I, every time I finish a shoot, say I have, cause I like to produce a lot of photos. So like I decided with someone and I had like 130 shots edited and done. I will create like several folders that immediately I will start, you know, put, putting them into a list. There's a no folder, which is like, I'm not going to post those for, cause they're not my best. Or is it like, yeah, I can only post so much. So there's a no folder usually gets a bulk. There's an Instagram folder, which it gets about five or six. And then there's a pet life folder, which will get about five or six or maybe 10. And I have another folder, which I'll post on my main pet uh, life account that I use as my own little personal, like, hey, these are my ideas on this and that type yeah. of stuff. So I have like a little system. And I have other folders that I put in, like mainly for Instagram, that I um, I will censor those and like edit those for it. Instagram and just like put those on there and like so I'll have a pool of like several hundred photos of photos you know I'll, I'll post yeah. on Instagram and fit life. Folsom wasn't too long ago and your photos came out so quickly after that event. Yeah, yeah about 48 hours. Maybe I think it might have been 36. <laughs> yeah. It was so quick and the other thing I was not shocked about because I know your work and I love it but you told the story of all the scenes so well. Like I did a scene with Doll and having you there felt so good because I knew that it was going to be represented the way that we were doing it. Yeah, because I, well, I've, I've seen a lot in 10 years, especially with event photographers and knowing rope people. I know when something is going to happen in rope. I know like when someone's tying a TK, once you get that first rope on, I'm gonna, it's going to be kind of controversial, but visually, it's kind of boring until something else happens. Yep. So I will move on to the next thing and until I, in my own mind, say, okay, something's changed over here. Maybe the rigger has tied this knee up here. Okay, let me go back over there and catch that. And then once I know there's not much else I can be able to get that, I'll move on. I just, I know that when people are tying, you know, it, especially when they're trying to do performance, and they're tying while performing. There's this moment in that time where it's like really boring yeah. <laughs> as a photographer. And it's not have to do anything about experience level. I've seen, you know, big time Japanese riggers who've been doing it for like 20 years and people who just their very first rope performance. And it's always that one moment where they're like behind a, a Futo or a TK and it's like, okay, there's doing something back there. Uh, okay, I don't need to photograph this because I've got enough. I already got five photos of, you know, RC photos of them tying a TK's or a hip harness or something. And 
Have you felt that the amount of photos you make has gone down over the years? Uh, it depends on how much chemistry I have with the model or how inspired I am by where we are. As opposed to like an event where, you know, I'm just trying to capture the moment as best as possible instead of, as, as opposed to, you know, just photographing what's there, you know? That makes sense. Rope and photography is a very polarizing thing. A lot of people think that photography and rope shouldn't really be together. A lot of people do it for the photography. What role do you think the camera plays in rope bondage? Uh, I've been thinking about this a lot. I think the camera, well, there's... In all the king things you you see at a at a uh, say uh, an open convention like say Dark Odyssey where all forms of play are allowed, I and I photographed all those. I'm looking at needle scenes, fisting scenes, kidnapping scenes, spanking scenes, leather scenes, service scenes. Some things are more photographable than others, just on based on the very nature, and especially rope when it's meant to be like beautiful shapes and weird angles. It's way more photographically pleasing and easy to capture for a photographer, I think, compared to like a spanking scene, which can be pretty static and pretty much the same shot and angle over and over, as opposed to rope, especially when you're doing rope like Circus of Bondage, where it's like flippy shit, where, Mm -hmm. you know, the model's upside down, then the model's this way, then... Maybe the 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 rigor is uh, tackling the model, or you know. So I I found that photo rope is just I don't know. It, it lends itself more to photography, and because especially with kids nowadays, you know, us kids nowadays, we like to photograph everything we do. Yeah, because we're like we'll we'll photograph our food. Yeah, you know, I'm like I have a friend who like photographs their food all the time. I'm like. <laughs> you must have like years of like photos of your food and and it's just the very nature of our technology right now because i imagine like if 30 years ago if they had cell phones and like really easy cameras that you could take with you, you could immediately show all your friends you would do it you know do you find yourself taking a lot of photos of your own food no no because i'm i'm a photographer and i'm like uh, uh, yeah. i'm like I'm not going to slum myself out to use my cell phone for this one. I could take a much better photo with my better lighting, you know. I'm hearing a little bit of elitism here from the silence. It's only a joke. I, I do it sometimes. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't take any of this really seriously. I'm very snarky. Yeah. I mean, when you said circus rope and things like that, I mean, you can tell that you don't really discriminate between different, you know, styles of rope and things and just having fun is important. Yeah, if it's not fun, like, I'm not going to do it. I love that. With people learning, what are some of the most underutilized concepts about photography? Um, They think the subject matter matters. When really, if you can take a picture of anything well, it'll work in real photography. Like, a lot of people are like, I can't find any models to do my real photos on. Well, first of all, you need to learn how to take a photo of regular people. Like if you have a girlfriend or mom or brother or sister or friend, take good, regular vanilla photos of them. 
learn your camera settings, learn, you know, how different lenses affect the body in a certain way, how light works. And you'll have a good portfolio of stuff you can, you know, show someone like, like I imagine if you had a friend who never taken a bondage photo before, but you know, they're professional photographer and they're, and they're paid a lot of money to take photos of like weddings and, you know, headshots, you would probably feel more okay with them taking photos of you tied up. Absolutely. And I don't think a lot of people really grasp that you're still taking a photo of a human being, no matter what they're doing, whether they're tying they're racing their car, they're washing their dishes, they're sitting there, you know, you're next to your grandma, you're still a human being, you're still the same amount of curves, still in, usually the same amount of like limbs and hair and eyes and roundness of the face. So if you can be really good at that, then you can really learn how to incorporate all that to like rope photos and make them more artistic. How long did it take you to learn that? How to be a photographer or learn this philosophy of like, Learn, learn that philosophy because it sounds like you just, you know, summarized a lot of lessons into <laughs> a nice little paragraph. Uh, there's this video. I'm giving away some secrets here, but it changed my life with photography. It's called Remember the Egg. And it's a, uh, it was like a rope tutorial of like basically understanding lighting and by photographing an egg. And when you think about the human body, it's pretty much a series of spheres, you know, egg shapes in very short shapes, whether it's breast, your torso, your head, your your butt, your knees. And he was like showing the light around him, like how it's curving around. I'm like, oh, my God. So when I'm trying to visualize when I'm going to photograph a person, I should think about remember the egg. And it's like it's that's how I got started. Wow. And I also learned about three-dimensionality where you want to make an image not as flat as possible but for most times. These are basic rules, but they're not like absolute laws, you know? Mm-hmm. Even, you know, even keeping things in focus, sometimes you want to get things out of, completely out of focus for an artistic shot. But thinking about three-dimensionality and how... Because when, you, when you're doing a rope and you're suspending someone, you, you, I don't want to mess around with lighting, because as I know, you've been suspended. You know, if you're in the air and you're in a tough suspension, you don't want someone spending five minutes moving this light back and forth while you're like, okay, yeah, okay, you know. So I have to pretty much figure out where my light is going to be beforehand. And one of the things I think about is like um, hills during the daytime that look pretty flat, but as soon as the sun starts setting, you start seeing those like shadows casting. And I usually think about the body that way. I mean, you just think about it's always best to like know where the body position is going to be in a suspension and put your lights there to ma- maximize that shape, you know? Absolutely. So it sounds like you have the final image in your head before you start. I want sometimes I usually do, but I usually fail. Actually, most of the vast majority of times I fail. Like, I'm going to do this with this light over here. It's like, oh, wait a minute. So usually I. I usually start off with like, okay, the model. What can a model do physically? Like, are they super bendy? Are they not super bendy? Have I done super bendy stuff with them before? Do I not want to do super bendy? Or do I want to, you know, what kind of mood do I want? What kind of outfit do they have? What kind of lack of outfit do they have? Okay, now I can think about what kind of harnesses can they do? Let's say they can't do a TK. Okay, what kind of 
how am I going to suspend a chest? I bring, am I going to do a suspension? I got to think about all these things and color rope. Then I got to think about where am I going to place my key light, which is the usually the key light is the brightest light in any uh, photo. And where's that going to be? Because I usually want to have that where the focus is. So if they're going to be inverted and I want to show their face, I can't have the light up high because then, you know, their knees are going to be brighter than their face. You know, these various things I'm thinking about while, you know, photographing wow. or beforehand, you know. In closing, if there's anything you can leave rope photographers, rope artists with any tips, anything that you like kind of consistently see people needing to work on. You have to love to practice. If you don't like practicing, you'll never get good at it. Like you can imagine like Jimi Hendrix when he's playing guitar for the first time, he sucked for like a really long time. But I imagine he loved it for a really long time until he was like really good. And people were like, hey, you're really good. Yeah. And if you don't like practicing whatever you want to learn, you will never get good at it because you'll eventually like, maybe I just won't practice. Maybe I'll go, I don't know, do something else. So you have to really love the the, uh, practice of whatever you do. Yeah. And failing goes along with that, which you brought up earlier. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even call it failing. I'm like, it's an experiment, you know? There's been plenty of times I want to do this with a shoot and it like didn't turn out, but I learned something else and I learned why that didn't work. And now that's, hey, I, 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 I gained some experience. Absolutely. The photo was good enough that, you know, the model will be okay with it and people will like it. But yeah, I'm trying to learn, like every shoot I do is an experiment and trying to figure out does this old technique work? Does the new technique work? You know, does it work with his body or does it not work with his body? It's all an experiment and I'm always learning. It sounds like you're constantly growing. Yeah, because otherwise I'll just get bored. I, love <laughs> I can't do this. Like, I, like some people I shot with like 20 times and I'm like, I have to keep trying to figure out a new way of shooting this person for the, you know, I wouldn't even say the 20th time because if I did three sets with them each shot, that's like six, literally 60 different like individual shoots and different lighting situations. And yeah. I have to figure out how to you know be different all the time. Well, where can people find you? Where can they connect with you? I'm on somewhat of Twitter, <laughs> starkly. Uh, that's usually my stark place. Uh, but Instagram, I'm on uh, the silence photography. Um, on FetLife, uh, the silence, and then the silence pick on the silence picks on that life too as well amazing well thank you so much for being on and talking about your journey your art is amazing and i look forward to the next things that you're practicing and unveiling to the world yeah i'm gonna work on uh, some uh, more weird asymmetric bamboo stuff so i can't wait <laughs> very good